Hello, I'm Moira Fay, and welcome to the Dublin Business Collective sponsored by SSE Airtricity. The podcast where we get together and jump into the minds of some of Ireland's most famous and inspirational business owners, founders and entrepreneurs. I'm so excited to welcome today's guest, Rosie Connolly was already a well-known public figure who significantly disrupted the Irish digital beauty and fashion industry before she even started her business. As a content creator, Rosie provided insights into her life, her style, beauty and parenting, allowing her audience to connect with her on a genuine level. Her honest and positive approach has resonated with many and over the years she has earned a loyal and engaging audience. So it seemed inevitable that Rosie would use her accumulated experience to expand and develop and then launch a brand of her own. Rosie co-founded Fourth Arc with her husband Paul Quinn in 2020. Fourth Arc is a premium athleisure brand with a focus on inclusiveness and expression of personality. What began as a startup founded in their own home during the pandemic, Fourth Arc's growth has skyrocketed and sees their latest launches sell out in minutes. The brand continues to grow both in Ireland and internationally. Rosie is also a long-standing Children's Health Foundation ambassador and this year launched a limited edition children's collection with all sales proceeds of over 100,000 being donated to projects across Temple Street, Crumlin and Connolly Hospitals. And I am so delighted that she's taken time out of her schedule to come and chat to us today. Rosie, welcome to the Dublin Business Collective. Thank you so much for having me. I was delighted when you'd emailed me and I think at the moment my life is just business all day every day so it's exciting to talk about business on a podcast. I think I've done them on different things and personal topics but on a business side it's really all my life is at the moment, which is amazing. I'm loving every second of it. I had said in the intro that Fourth Arc has experienced huge growth, but I didn't need to read that. I can see it when I go out and when I'm in the shops, if I'm out walking, if I'm anywhere, I can see the brand all around me, which is incredible for such a young company. And I was so delighted that you were able to come in and chat today about what it's like to start an e-commerce brand during a lockdown (laughs) and not only to see it succeed, but to see huge growth. So I wonder if I can just ask you to take us back to the start. Where did the idea come from? How long were you nursing it? How did it come about? And what made you decide, right, this is it, we're going to do it now? Yeah, so obviously I'm in the social media world for how long now? Eight years, because it, it kind of took off when I had my son, Harry, who's now eight. And he'll be nine this year. So I'm in that industry a long time and I've been working with brands. So I, I'm used to the marketing side. I'm used to the social media side and I could see what value I could bring to a brand in terms of sales and promotion. And for me, fashion was always where my heart was at. I love the beauty world. I love the beauty industry. I studied makeup artistry. That was what I did first. And then I went on and studied fashion buying, but I never ended up working in it. Um, I went into a personal styling role um, and personal stylist role within Arnott's in Dublin. Absolutely loved it. And so as I started to kind of grow in my social media career, I knew eventually I knew I kind of had to pivot and that I didn't want to lean on brand collaborations and all of that for the rest of my life. I knew when I was, you know, hitting my mid 30s, 40s, 50s onwards, I needed something that was going to sustain me. And people don't realize that I'm actually quite a shy person and I, I'm I'm quite um, 
I share a lot online, but it, it can make me uncomfortable at times as well. And I knew I wanted to have the option of if I ever wanted to just go, you know what, I want to take a back seat and not be the face of, of different things that I, I wanted something there to do that. I knew it always was going to be a fashion line. That was my dream. It was on my vision board for so long. And I love vision boards, by the way. I'm, I'm someone who's really into like manifestation and not in the woo-woo way that's <laughs> online at the moment, but genuinely working hard at something, but having goals that you get up for every morning and just kind of having a plan and, and seeing I love seeing like a good bit ahead and I like to have big goals that sometimes I'm looking at them going I don't know if I'll ever get there but I like working towards it so fashion was definitely where I wanted to go but in our lives personally it just I didn't know how I was going to get there my husband was a refrigeration engineer he was had his own company and was so busy he was working six days a week he was gone constantly like such a hard worker so he was busy I was juggling social media with being a mom and I just didn't know how I was going to again it was a big goal I just had no idea how I was going to get there but I kind of trusted that it'll happen when it's meant to happen and I spoke to a lot of people in the industry kind of a lot more senior than me or people I would have looked up to and there was three people I said that I wanted to start a fashion line to and they all said you're mad you shouldn't do it it won't work stick with beauty there's better margins it's easier to do and I remember being so disheartened because I was like I don't want to do beauty because someone else tells me to I really fashion is where I really want to work at and it's it's something I absolutely love and I think both industries are very aligned and I think there's so much crossover but I kind of went okay I've just will I listen to them you know maybe they're telling me you know and, and I think genuinely they were giving me the advice they thought was the right advice you know I don't think they were trying to steer me astray but eventually the pandemic hit my husband's work just stopped so he was working in all the pubs restaurants bars all of that okay. they all shut so his work he went from working six days a week needing he was going to take on more staff and all of that and that just literally stopped overnight, which was a culture shock for him because he he doesn't sit still and he likes to be working and even taking a week's holidays, he'd be itching to get back. Because like that, with that entrepreneurial mindset that he has, he knows if he's not working, he's not earning. So he couldn't relax if he wasn't busy. So that stopped. My work got busier because obviously all these brands and stores that were closed, they were all putting money into online now because that was the only way they could sell. So I actually had probably my busiest year in 2020, um, which was I was so grateful for because I was obviously trying to supplement my husband's wages coming in. So we were really tight on kind of what we were doing. We're really trying to be savvy about how we were going to make it work. Now, I know we were so lucky that I had continued to be able to work. And I know a lot of people didn't have that privilege. So over many glasses of wine, I must say, (laughs) as you do in the pandemic, we were kind of thinking, we just didn't know how long this is going to last. So I had already planted the seed with him. I was like, you know, if I was to do something on my own, would you, I know we work really well together and he's, I'm a dreamer and he's a doer. So I have all these dreams, but I don't actually pick up the phone and ring the people I need to ring. Again, because I'm can be quite shy, I find the kind of people side sometimes quite hard. Whereas he's the one who'll go, oh, I rang that guy. That's perfect. That's done. And he's very much proactive. Yeah. So we balance each other well. So over many glasses of wine, we were like, you know, if we were to do it, will we do it? Will we not? And he was like, well, look, I don't know when I'm going to get back to work. He was like, if we do it, I need to be all in. I need to commit to it because he's he's very passionate. And if he's into something, he needs to like be like 100% in it. And basically we had saved our mortgage deposit. So the plan was eventually to buy a house. We were still renting and we had our mortgage deposit and the, the market was just not the right time to buy. So we were like, okay, we have this money. Do we put this money into the business and take a risk and gamble it? I would it wasn't really well, it was gambling, but I mean in my mind at the time I didn't see it not working. Which a calculator is, risk. Yeah, very calculated. Yeah. Um 
So we said, well, we do it. Um, when I say we didn't tell anyone, like we were in lockdown, we didn't see my family. We saw nobody except each other. So we didn't have anyone to bounce it off, which is probably good because I think people might have gone, uh, no, maybe you should. No, that's a big risk. We were so naive to yeah. what was ahead, which I love about startups and being like that first time entrepreneur in that way. I think you, naivety gets you through it because if you were to know what's ahead, you might go, <laughs> oh, you might think it through a bit more. So that was in March 2020. And um, I knew what I wanted. Like I knew the product I wanted to do. That was, and actually it wasn't, um, I didn't lean into it because of lockdown, like the loungewear thing. I lived in loungewear anyway, because I was a young mom. I was always in trainers, leggings, all that. So I knew I wanted to create product. I was buying so much kind of fast fashion and I'd wash it once and it was gone and it was ruined and I'd buy again and again and again. And I was like, I'd love to be able to do something that's accessible, but also lasts you longer than not high end, but like, finding that middle ground. So we started working on it and like we just, we had all the time in the world. So he was busy working on things. I was working on it. We literally, when I say Googled, like how to start a business, how to find suppliers, like that's how basic we were. We had no experience. How did we live before Google? Oh, I Google everything (laughs) and I still do. There's still things in, even in meetings and I'll be like, what does that mean? I'll just Google it. Like I'm not an expert in this and, and neither is he, but we had the passion. We had the idea. We were completely naive and we didn't have plan B. And that was that was our biggest thing was we didn't because people say, what were you going to do if it didn't work? It's like we didn't think about it. We just did it. And we had to make it work because we were like, there's no other option but to make it work. Now, bearing in mind, obviously, I knew I had a platform so that I had an audience before I had the product. So that obviously was calculated in itself that I knew I had access to a couple of hundred thousand followers that liked my style that you know followed me for fashion so it was calculated was that the fact that you had an online audience is an amazing strength to start with Mm -hmm. but also you know you have this network you have this audience which means there's also an awful lot at stake because people are people are waiting to see you know they're expecting you to do something they're expecting and they're expecting something great like how did that feel knowing you had this audience waiting well that actually was our biggest issue at the start was we were a startup, right? So we had X amount of money to put into this. So we had to be careful about like how, how much stock did we buy? You know, this was brand new. I didn't realize how many of my followers wanted what we so basically the products and the numbers we needed to order in were a lot bigger than what a startup should be. But we were still a startup and we didn't have it. We literally had a small pot of money that we needed to get a website. We needed to do a photo shoot. We needed to buy our stock. So we bought in what I thought was loads. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, God, I hope these sell. And they were gone in seconds. So and then people were going, well, how would you not know that you needed more but I didn't because like our business still had to start from the start it couldn't we couldn't just jump and go we're going to create a business that is able to supply this huge demand we had to start square one and build it from there so we've been chasing that demand constantly since day one amazing problem to have but we're finally getting to the stage now I think where we we know how much we need versus you know the demand there and and, and the brand is still growing so fast as well Um, but that's kind of how the story and and the, the, the brand got going but there was a lot of naivety to how tough it can be. And I'm glad I had that because I think if I had known, I'm quite a overthinker and I'm quite an anxious person. I think if I had known what was ahead, I may have gone, oh God, no, (laughs) not now. (laughs) There's there's something I've always said at home is like, if I'm going to be shot, I'd rather be shot in the back than from the front. (laughs) I'd rather not see you coming. (laughs) Trust me, that is how it worked with us for sure. And like, I love that naivety. And I think speaking to so many entrepreneurs since we started our, our journey, they're all the same. 
they kind of went in going I had no idea what was ahead and that's I kind of now have a buzz of that now like I at the time it would have scared me off now I love how I don't know what's coming next month like I do within reason obviously with business plans but like you just don't know what's around the corner which is kind of there is this weird like addiction to the thrill of starting something and seeing how it goes and will it fail will it not you know there is a, a buzz there and I'm learning to lean into that more I love that so it is an athleisure brand. We yeah. were talking about some other brands earlier on outside, just when we were having a little chat before we came in. And I suppose you would have known that you're going up against well-established national and international brands. Mm-hmm. Did you have a strategy of how you were going to make your brand stand out? I mean, it's got quite a striking logo. It's quite recognisable. You know, as I was saying earlier on, I, I see it everywhere. Was that something that, you know, how how did you take that into your strategic approach? Yeah, so the biggest thing that I knew I wanted to do was I wanted to think bigger than Ireland. So that was always the plan. There was two lines. One is, you may notice I'm not in any photo shoots. So I'm never in a photo shoot for Fourth Arc. And that was that has been a strategic decision since day one. So in my eyes, I always remember the story about Jo Malone and her name and how, you know, selling her business on and selling her name on, really, because yeah. she's not part of that business And Bobby anymore. Brown. And Bobby Brown. Yeah. And I remember thinking, and this is where I have huge goals and, and, and I may never reach them, but I always think, what if this blows up and it's, my name is attached to it. How does that work? What if you want to sell it? What, you know, so I always said, right, I want to create a brand that is bigger than me, is way cooler than I am, is a brand that I want to shop. So I was looking at the brands that I look up to. So I love Anina Bing. There was a lot of kind of Joa Brown in the UK or US, bigger brands. So I was thinking, I didn't look at Ireland. I was like, where am I looking outside of Ireland? I also wanted to create a brand that didn't look Irish. So I wanted people to look at the brand and go, God, that's super cool. Where is that from? And it's way cooler than I am. It still is. I look at the (laughs) brand now like that is so much cooler than me personally. But I wanted to create a brand that I look up to and shop and go, God, I'd aspire to kind of have that feel of a brand. So we always thought bigger, like my mood board from the very start of the brand is so international. It's very LA, it's very Scandi, it's much bigger than than it, within Ireland. I didn't actually look at any competitors in Ireland. I just okay. thought bigger. I thought, and I still am someone who doesn't believe in looking side to side. Yeah, I am blinkers on, head forward, moving forward. And I look at people that are miles ahead of us, much bigger and go towards them. And they're they're not even like in our realm. That's what the way I like to kind of focus. I think I'd get too distracted if I'm looking left, right. Um, so I always try and think huge. Even if you think, ah, but we're only a small Irish band starting in our garage. Wh- who knows? You just don't know yeah. if it's ever gone. And like you hear these stories of people starting something from nothing and it's it, they're huge brands. So that's where, and I'm not naive. I'm not saying that it, it'll, it'll get there, but I definitely have those huge goals. And I think that me not being part of the face of it was absolutely key. I didn't want to give my followers what I thought they would expect, which would be something, something by Rosie Connolly and me as the face and all that. And it's been done and it works. But I that's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to have something that when people went looked at it, went, God, I didn't expect her to do that. That's different. I thought she'd be the face of it and in every campaign. It's future proofing. Future proofing. And it's worked really well for us. And particularly, again, I didn't want to just grow this in Ireland. I'm thinking internationally and that's where our heads are at now is like UK, US, Australia, uh, the Middle East. Like we're not thinking of Ireland. Like we obviously think of Ireland and that's our market, but we're much bigger plans. And so 
having the logo to be strong, to be cool, to also allow us to grow, you know, within and become a lifestyle brand. It doesn't always mean we're going to be stuck in one niche. I thought we really looked like longer term as opposed to just let's just look at this first launch. So that's kind of always been the game plan and always been in the forefront. So I always think if you're starting a business, think huge first and then work back because you just don't know. You just don't know. I like that. You know, I think it gives you a much broader perspective. One of the things that we mentioned briefly before we sat down was how important it is to fail in order Mm. to succeed. So I will ask you if you could tell me what has been your biggest challenge? I don't want to say failure because it's a young company and you're doing Mm -hmm. pretty well, you know, but what has been your biggest challenge so far? But also what has been your biggest win? Like what was your moment where you know, you looked at each other and you went, okay, this is special. Yeah. I mean, on the fails or like, honestly, daily, there is challenges. Like it really is tough. And I think I I wish I shared more of it online, but I also don't ever want to look like I'm not grateful for the journey because I really am. And I, I know how privileged we are, how well the business is doing. It's so hard. It really is. And, and I also don't want to put anyone off ever starting a business because it's so rewarding. I think our biggest challenge in business to date was a mess up with our fulfillment really early on. And I don't think people realize how much this like had our business like it could fail, like it, okay. it may not come back from. So basically we had our first launch, it sold out. We realized that we need a lot more stock. We put all that money back in. So the money is just keep going back in, back in, back in all the time. And we were ordering much larger amount of stock. And when we looked at our garage, we were like, this is not going to house all this stock we need more space. We're not going to be able to keep fulfilling these orders. If we're going to sell what we think we can sell, what we thought was going to be a business that we could do in the garage and fulfill as we go, it just outgrew that. So we said, right, we need fulfillment. We need to outsource this. So again, we were literally three, four months in business. So early days, like we literally had had one drop, it sold out. So that was, we had one day of selling really. We were on a deadline. Obviously, we knew the stock was arriving at a certain time. We needed to get it passed over to somebody. So we got in touch with a fulfillment company, got it all set up. I was really nervous about handing it off, integrated our system. So our Shopify with theirs, put up our stock. And I like I still get shaky thinking about how bad this went. (laughs) So we did our launch. Say, for instance, I can't remember what the numbers were, but say we had 3000 items. Right. So we knew, you know, we say whatever X amount of orders. So it went live and we were like, this is crazy. Like it's mad that we're not fulfilling the orders. We had the laptop open and we were at home and we were kind of watching it, watching the traffic. Like, and I still do that when we do launches. I'm like hooked in. Where are people logging in? Like it's really exciting. And um, anyway, we kind of made a cup of tea and we went back and we were like, God, we looked at the number that had come in. We're like, that's a lot of money. And then Paul went, that's more money than we have of stock. Like that's too much. We oh, Even gosh. with a sellout, that's too much. So he rang the fulfillment company and they're like, no, there's no problems on our side. I think everything's fine. And he was like, no, no, it's not fine. When we looked, we, say we had 3000 items, there was like 9000 had been sold, which we knew we didn't have. And we were like, oh, my God. So we just shut down. I had to ring. So basically our website is with an amazing guy, Craig, who's based in the UK. I met him through a friend and I rang him. I was like, shut it down, shut the website down while we were trying to figure this out. And neither of us are super techie, right? So we were going, what's happening? Anyway, something had failed in the integration between their system and ours. And what was happening was the stock sold so fast that their system didn't recognize it and kept restocking the stock back on, right? So we ended up having to refund 6,000 customers manually, one by one. 
that meant 6,000 people were disappointed. We had taken their money, so they had to wait three to five days for a refund, which we couldn't we couldn't do anything about. I, when I say I didn't get out of bed for two days, I was sick to my stomach with stress. And we were so, we didn't, we didn't have any experience in this. I didn't know who to ring. I was, me and him were looking at each other going, we have to fix this. Obviously, we pulled our fulfillment back to ourselves because this system just wasn't up to what the numbers we were doing. And I remember thinking like people were so angry and rightly so. And I thought, we're only a couple of months in business. People will never come back to us, like never. I said, that's it, we're done. We had friends come in and log into our emails and DMs and help to try and get through the volume because it was literally me and him. And I almost froze with how big this problem was that easily an hour or two went by and I was like, I can't cope. I can't, I don't know what to do. I really don't know what to do. And then it came around to, I was like, okay, we have to do something. So we just had to go through it, manually refund, all of that. So anyway, we managed to get through it. It was a horrible time. Really, really tough. Customers were angry. We had to try and go out to the fulfillment company and figure out what went wrong. You know, where does the problem, like whose problem was it? And then there was no point in pointing fingers going, you know, we needed to just move on. So the only thing it did do was it made us realize the traffic and what we could have done and what we could have sold. So although it was honestly the worst time in business I've ever had, it made us If you learned something from it. We learned, that was our moment where we went, oh, this is bigger than we thought. It's way bigger than we thought. So it allowed us to then look much bigger at our numbers. And and then obviously hoping that our customers <laughs> would come back too. So we were trying to obviously manage that, but that really opened our eyes to just how big this brand had already grown in a couple of months. So it was horrible. And I honestly, I would, I never want, I, like I, my hands are shaking already <laughs> thinking about it. I When I go back there, I think I have PTSD about the whole thing. But it was such a pivotal moment for us to go, we need to back this brand more than we think we should because actually there's huge potential there, which is what we did and and we've continued to do since then. So that was probably our biggest hurdle. No, 100% was our biggest hurdle to date. Um, At least it happened early Early, on. yeah. Well, I mean, well, that that I thought was the bad part because I was like, well, people are never going to come back. They're going to go, this is Mickey Mouse. They haven't a clue what they're doing. So we won't come back. And thankfully we got through it and, you know, we learned so much from it. And then on the other side, like the kind of pivotal moment and the, the moment where we've really, like a, a really high for us was being nominated for the EY Entrepreneur of the Year this year. I think I was more baffled that we were even considered within that and like you have to be at a certain revenue and your brand has to be at a certain point or your business has to be at a certain point and I think being recognized and being chosen as a finalist was like a oh we're actually doing this like it's actually it's actually doing really well and I think for both of us to be there in a very different world for us you know around so many different business people and being respected and acknowledged as a business person and not as an influencer I think that is it's just been a huge moment for me and it took a while to digest. I had a lot of imposter syndrome around the whole thing and how am I here? There's so many massive businesses here that, you know, how am I up to scratch? But I think it was a real pat on the back for us to go, actually, you know, we're doing pretty well. I think the kudos that come with recognition from EY are... It's huge. ...recognised everywhere and it really is an incredible entrepreneurial seal of approval. It's it's excellent and, and it's brilliant to see as as well homegrown Irish businesses do well yeah with regards to the likes of EY and different entrepreneurs and you know with influence on your business Mm -hmm. has there been 
any kind of one person or mentor or a particular person who's really supported you or kind of given you whether it's advice personally or is it just someone you look up to in the business world is there anyone in particular do you know it's funny and I've never spoken about this like other than to my husband but one name came to mind just and you you obviously didn't prep me with this question by the way so this is just completely off the top of my head there's one woman that I completely look up to not in my industry her name is Vicky O'Toole so she um, owned JJ O'Toole's and I we went to them just as a client we were looking for boxes packaging for our brand and just as a business they were so lovely to deal with they were super efficient and then we got to know Vicky who was the CEO I think she has since they've sold the business and when I say she is one of those people and she is on the EY alumni as well but we met her through her own business and she had so much time for us she was so encouraging she was like a mother she had so much advice and wisdom and so much positivity and you could tell even anyone we dealt with within her business was so so lovely to deal with and she won't know this because I, I, I've never said it to her and I actually have not even had huge amounts of conversations with her. But she's just somebody who believed in the brand from the start, particularly when we decided to do a charity aspect. She was the first to go, I'll give you the boxes and donate the boxes so that more of the money can go to charity. Like just someone with a huge heart. But her story was just incredible. So I obviously don't want to tell her story, but it was her husband's business and her husband passed away. And they, I think they may have six kids. They've, they've, you know, a large family and she stepped in, into the business. And like, I just think what a powerhouse of a woman to just step in, in a world you didn't know about and do it so well and do it so gracefully with so much, um, just the way she speaks is so inspiring. And she won't know this, but I think she's somebody who I feel like she gave us so much encouragement at the very start um, and has continued to do so. And she rang us then when they had sold the business and she spoke to my husband. She personally rang all of the clients that she has. And like we wouldn't be a huge client for them at all. But she rang everybody and, and gave her kind of snippet of encouragement for the future. And I just think she's an incredible woman. So I think for me, that's amazing. She's she's definitely up there with someone who inspires me. Amazing. Can I ask? It's the what's next question. Mm -hmm. So if I was to say to you, it's five years mm -hmm. in the future. Yeah. Where is Fourth Arc in oh. five years? I hope we are everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so really for next year, particularly in the next kind of one to three years, we're really looking at expansion. So UK, we already have this natural audience that has grown in the UK and the US. Um, I honestly think it's Irish around the world, particularly Australia. I was going to well. say Australia. Australia. <laughs> we see it, or we see it on the map on Shopify when we when we launch. But we really want to put plans in place now to really break into those markets, and they're huge markets to break into. So I'm not mm -hmm. naive, and it, it, you know I know that there's a lot of work there, but I dream really big and I look at Anina being and I'm like why can't we do that why, why there's no reason why we can't we've really good team behind us and I know that's just growing and growing and growing and I'm all about people and I get good feelings on everybody that we hire and it's been right up until now um, and I'm all about uh, it's a team effort and in order to scale this business we already have a good team and we're going to grow that as well I want it to be standalone stores I want it to be international I want it to be a brand recognised outside of me you do not need to know who I am I want it to be an aspirational brand and just be up there with all the market leaders I think there's no reason why it can't be and I, I'm I'm so confident and I'm so proud of the brand and I'm so confident about it that I know if we work hard and it is hard work but if we work hard we could get there Absolutely there's there's something that family members of mine say and it's you know when people say 
why me? We say, why not me? Yeah, it's so true. And yeah. I think I had a lot of that, is- not issues, but I had a lot of guilt at the very start going, you know, this happens so quickly. Like there's people that work on their businesses for like 15, 20 years and they don't get mm-hmm. the success like that. It's not fair. Like, you know, why? and I, I would feel like, you know, like that. Why us? Like, why well, is it? You, you could argue that you've been doing some pretty deep consumer research yes. for about eight years now. So. <laughs> and that's it. I think I have to remind myself that it has been years yeah. in the making, not the particular brand, but yeah. but the building the audience and building yeah. that kind of knowledge of the market has been longer than that. But I think, Sometimes, and I remember I, I still go to therapy and I love talking to a therapist about, because I find the, the, the role of being, going from being a mom, being an influencer, kind of just looking after myself to being a business owner and having to step into that leadership side of my life, I think I've struggled with because I feel like it happened so fast that I didn't have any training. <laughs> I'm like, no one prepped me for this, you know, no one prepped me for it. And I think if you're in a corporate, you know, you work your way up, you get promoted, you, you know, you take it in steps. And I just kind of went from one to the next. And, and so did my husband. And I think we've really tried to like, I discuss it a lot in therapy about, you know, why am I deserving of it? And, and all these kind of imposter syndrome feelings. And it's so normal, I think, in business, whether it's going well or not, to have this feeling of like, do I belong here? Yeah. Am I qualified enough? Am I working hard enough? And I always I remember saying to her, I said, like, so why do you not feel deserving sometimes of this success and why do you not accept it like if you know I'll accept an a compliment a compliment anywhere else in my life but I find it hard to accept like if someone says you're doing really well I'm like I get awkward about it and I said I think it's because in my eyes successful businesses and successful business people like had to really struggle and it was so 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 hard and and I feel like as hard as it has been I've enjoyed it I've enjoyed the process and I've actually loved the process and that's okay you know we talk to people and their business is like another child it's another baby so it's only right that you would love it and just in terms of what you were saying about working for a corporate you know in terms of promotion and rank you know you could argue that in your case it's it's extremely valid because you're being promoted by your customer. Yeah, that's so true. Your no promotion is coming from your customer, and you know, s- so long as you have that yeah. base, you know, that's the ultimate. That's a lovely way to look at it. Actually, it's a, you should be a therapist now as well. <laughs> <laughs> but I love discussing like the the psychology of entrepreneurs, the psychology of business women, and why we feel inferior and where uh, no one makes me feel like that except me. It's not and everyone I've spoken to, particularly on the EY program that we're on, you know, I have felt imposter syndrome on, on at times through it. And, you know, I've I've spoken about this and people have said, but is it people that like people are and I'm like, no, they are so encouraging. It's me. It's the yeah. inner it's the self-talk sometimes can stop you in your tracks and make you freeze. And I think it's about learning not to listen to what you tell yourself because it's not they're just thoughts they're not facts and exactly. I think it's leaning into I'm trying to teach myself that just because I feel uncomfortable doesn't yeah. mean I don't deserve to be there and I will continue to grow I have so much learning to do as a businesswoman and I look up to so many other business women and business people businessmen yeah. too and I think if you have to keep that mindset of always learning and you're never top of your game you've so much to learn and that's I, the exciting part I think the learning part is almost as exciting as the doing in a lot of ways I love the idea of becoming a sort of a mental Swiss army knife and yeah. having the tools and the knowledge to to be able to fully have a broad understanding of what you're doing and yeah. to be able to expand and to think beyond parameters that you would have beforehand. Exactly. I think to have a thirst for knowledge and a hunger for knowledge 
is an amazing and thing. And for personal growth, I think that's huge. Um, I think obviously qualifications are amazing, but like I don't have a degree in anything. And I remember thinking, does that make me constantly behind? And like our staff are more qualified than me, hands down. But that doesn't mean I'm not worthy. And I think growing personally and personally developing within your role doesn't have to, you don't have to be the business owner, you don't have to be an entrepreneur, but just in everything you do, personal development is so interesting to me. And I think now, like something might happen now and it would have rocked me 12 months ago. And now I just doesn't even phase me. And I love going, oh my God, like I'm really growing. Like it's, and there's so much more growth to be done. But I think it's so exciting to kind of, I'm really self-aware. I think to my detriment sometimes, I'm very self-aware, but I love analyzing how I manage things. How can I manage it better? And seeing the difference in me now, like I've grown so much as a person. And I think no matter what happens with the business, whether it continues to fly, whether it completely flops, I know I've gained so much personally out of doing this and, and being on this journey. So to anyone who's thinking about start starting a business, don't worry about whether it succeeds, fails, whatever. You will grow and you'll learn so much about yourself. And that can't be taken away from you. Absolutely not. Well, I think that's the perfect, perfect note to end our chat, although I could keep going. But I just <laughs> want to say thank you so much for being so candid and honest with us and it's been really really lovely to sit down and hear about Fourth Arc and I will be remembering that in five years time <laughs> I'll be keeping my eye out so that is it again huge thanks to our sponsors SSE Electricity and of course to you for listening if you enjoyed this conversation please do like this episode and subscribe to the Dublin Business Collective to hear more conversations with incredible business owners and entrepreneurs thanks again and speak to you next time Music